You're listening to the Quince podcast. India has not only overtaken Brazil to become the country with the second highest number of coronavirus infections, but in the past few days it's also been recording the highest number of daily cases reported by any country since the pandemic began. In fact, as India crossed Brazil's numbers over the weekend, it also surpassed a new high in detecting 90,000 new cases over 24 hours. With that, as of 7 September, India's infection tally stands at 42 lakhs approximately, but it might not be too long before India takes up the top spot globally. Currently, the US, which still ranks as the country with a maximum number of cases, has reported around 64 lakh infections yet. It's only reporting between 40 to 50,000 new cases per day. But how do we decode India's exponential increase in coronavirus cases? How is it slowly becoming the global epicenter? You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Shorbury. For at least the last few days, India has been detecting more than 75,000 new cases daily. And the five states that have been contributing as much as 60% of the total active cases are Andhra Pradesh which has been reporting at least 10,000 cases for more than a week now, Karnataka which is steadily inching towards the 10,000th mark, Uttar Pradesh which has also been detecting more than 5,000 new cases, Tamil Nadu which thankfully has recorded only around 1,000 cases for the last 4 days. and the financial capital maharashtra which alone has contributed to a quarter of the total cases in the country now maharashtra has been reporting more than 12000 new cases over the last few days which suddenly jumped to beyond 20000 cases over the weekend in delhi too there's been a reverse turn around with a five day average of over 2500 cases after close to two months of a noticeable dip And even as the capital witnessed more than 3,200 infections being recorded on 6th September, which let me tell you is the city's highest in the last two months, Delhi opened up its metro rails on 7th September, five months after it was shut down. But what explains the surge from the past few days? Well, there are two things to look at here. One, India has been recording the highest increases in coronavirus cases globally for almost a month, and despite over two million new cases in the past month. the government has been easing the restrictions with the last phase of unlocking being announced on 1st september to revive an economy that's headed for its first full year contraction in more than four decades with unlock 4 most public places excluding cinema halls swimming pools entertainment parks and theaters are now open the second factor to note is that while there's been an easing of restrictions a feeling of lockdown fatigue and also a lack of a systematic method of contact tracing The rise in cases may also be partially explained from the increasing testing. In the beginning of August, India was conducting around 4 to 5 lakh tests daily, but towards the end of the month, from 21st August, India began conducting a million tests per day. So then what explains the surge exactly? Is it the unlocking of activities or is it more testing? Virologist Shahid Jameel says it's both of these factors. Well, it's it's both. Uh but as as we have increased testing we have found more cases but uh, the testing has not yet saturated meaning that if you test more you will find more mm. according to who you should reach a testing to case finding ratio of 20 to 1 
meaning that if you do 20 tests, you should find one positive. In India, we are still finding one positive after every 11 or 12 tests. So we have much farther to go in terms of saturation. Uh, yes, obviously, when you lift restrictions, more people come into contact with each other mm -hmm. and that increases the opportunity for the virus to transmit from an infected person, most likely an asymptomatic person, mm -hmm. to uh, somebody who is susceptible. Uh, that is happening and that is bound to happen uh, when you unlock. But the solution to this is not to lock down. Uh, because lockdown has created a severe economic crisis and that is something we have to overcome. Uh, but as long as we have clear messaging and tell people what is needed to be done, uh, I think we can have both uh, opening up of the economy as well as keeping people protected. But as Mr. Jamil says, India has increased its testing, yes, but it hasn't saturated its testing limits yet. Now, why that is important to note is because along with the ramped up tests, the positivity rate has also increased, which is the number of people being tested positive per 100 people tested. According to a report on the print, for the first time since 23rd August, the positivity rate in India crossed 9%. Another report on the Indian Express notes that while at a national level, the positivity rate has largely been stabilised, at the state level, the surge in cases in the top five states are being recorded along with a higher positivity rate. So what does that mean? Two things. One, that an increase in tests in states like Maharashtra, Karnataka, Andhra Pradesh do not fully explain the rise of cases in these states. And two, as Mr. Jamil suggests, India might have to push its testing limits to beyond a million tests per day. But another emerging concern in the past few months has been the upsurge of rural hotspots. As restrictions on interstate movements were lifted, what was initially largely restricted to urban centres has now made its way to even the remote hinterland where medical infrastructure is scarce. Case in point, Andaman, where 10 members of the Greater Andamanese tribe tested positive. And this from a remote island. Four members of the tribe living on the island were found to be infected last week, while six others who lived in a city tested positive a month ago. And this endangers the entire tribe, who reportedly have a population of just over 50. Also consider the fact that an estimated 65% of India's 1.3 billion population lives in rural areas. Mr. Jamil says that it's definitely worrying that two-thirds of the cases are coming from villages where there's a dearth of doctors, but the focus now has to be on how to provide healthcare now that the damage is done. It is definitely worrying. Uh, today, about two-thirds of our cases are coming from rural districts and villages. Uh, this is worrying because the healthcare infrastructure in villages is not as good as in cities. Mm -hmm. It is estimated that only about 20% of doctors work in rural areas. Mm -hmm. It is estimated that only about 37% of government hospital beds are available in uh, rural uh, districts or villages. So uh, that is the real problem. Uh, now, you know, the focus has to be on uh, making sure that while people are getting infected, they should uh, not develop disease 
or if they develop disease then they should be taken care of mm-hmm. uh, for a person in a village who develops a disease if they have to run to cities which are often hundreds of miles away then it becomes a problem mm-hmm. uh, the government has a means at its disposal where it can address the problem locally uh, india has a very good telecommunications network uh, that can be deployed telemedicine is a reality even if doctors are not present in villages uh, you know specialist prescriptions can be given uh, over mobile phones uh, mm-hmm. practically everyone has a mobile phone these days uh, the second thing that could be done is the indian railways had uh, retrofitted uh, some old railway coaches to become isolation wards and uh, uh, you know clinical care facilities these can be moved close to areas where there are where there is you know large infection load uh, and people can be given medical facilities through this means uh, so there are various ways mobile clinics for example uh, you know hospitals in cities can send mobile clinics with doctors to villages where they can you know look at people uh, and advise them uh the village itself can take care of the isolation and quarantine of of people uh to reduce the transmission uh from one person to the other mm-hmm. so there is still a lot of scope to do things it's just that we have to get organized and do it now along with reports of a surge what has also been reported on is india's case fatality ratio or cfr this is as we know the proportion of fatalities among those who test positive for coronavirus and that number has dipped from 2.15% in early august to 1.72% on september 6th now we've often seen the indian government single out the cfr which is particularly low compared to the rest of the world to justify india's coronavirus situation and how it's not at rock bottom yet however what is curious to note is that the cfr has been unwavering even as the country reported nearly 1000 deaths for the last 7 days so are there uncertainties about covid data in india back to mr jamil here well uh, firstly let me say that whether it is case data or death data the very nature of data collection is that there will be under reporting and it's not just in india it's everywhere in the world it's a it's a matter of uh, conjecture whether uh, you know the conversion ratio should be 5 times or 10 times or 40 times so let's not go into that let's let's look at the facts that are available to us mm-hmm. the fact is that the case load is increasing we have become number 2 the second fact is that uh, on a daily basis india is now putting out more positive cases than any other country in the world even on death data for the last week or 10 days india is reporting the highest numbers of daily deaths of any country in the world mm-hmm. uh on the other hand the total death data if you look at it the case fatality rate in india is about 1.8% the global average is about 3 and a half percent meaning that india is still about 
showing about 50% mortality. Uh, the second thing is, if you compare this at a population level, then, uh, you know, India's death rate is about 54 per million population. Compare that to US and Brazil, which are both around 550 uh, per million population. But this kind of low death rate is not just in India. That's the wrong narrative. It mm. is there in South Asia, all of South Asia and all of Southeast Asia. Mm. Uh, so there are there are multiple layers to this, uh, and uh, I think instead of uh, you know just arguing that uh, the deaths are not being reported properly, uh, I'm sure that is happening, uh, mm. and it's bound to happen. But let's just focus on the problem and see what we can do about it instead of just, you know, arguing whether it should be this way or that way. As India inches its way to the global top spot, is it prepared to deal with the rising caseload? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts.